Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. John Chuckery Show live on this Tuesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Tech sign. We'll talk to our buddy Michael Rothstein coming up here in about 20 minutes from right now. Also, too, by the way, we have not been on Tuesday over the last handful of weeks, so it is Tuesday, 940. Put down 940 because we will do rank them coming up at 940. This, though, is your night look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. All right, here's your uh, pro football focus grades for the Falcons against the Jets this past week. So your top five grades on offense. Chris Lindstrom was a 92.6. Can I tell you, the last two, three, four weeks, he has been outstanding. And there were, if you saw some of the videos that were circulating online, Baldy's breakdowns, a couple of other people, they were showing you Chris Lindstrom highlights where he's just mauling people over. So, again, he has been outstanding the last handful of weeks. Drew Dahlman was second at 79.3. Does that include that play where they got blown up for that safety? Because he got run over on that play. Uh, Michael Pruitt was a 76.9. He is our unicorn. Uh, Of guys, what is the stat that I saw? Of players with at least 25 targets, he has the most touchdowns per reception in the NFL. That's a crazy number. So maybe we need to, anyway. Uh, Bijan Robinson was a 70.1. Tyler Algier was a 68.4. That's your top five on offense. Here's your top five on defense. Bud Dupree, who had a really good game, couple of sacks and a strip sack fumble, an 82. Lorenzo Carter was a 77.1. Arnold Evacati was a 76.4. Uh, David Onyemata was a 70.3. And Zach Harrison, believe it or not, who did some good things getting after the quarterback, 69.7. There are other notables. Uh, Nate Landman was a 69.3. Jesse Bates was a 67.2. Terrell, A.J. Terrell was a 64.6. Jeff Okuda was a 33. He had a lot of problems on Sunday. Jake Matthews, a 61.3. 
Kyle Pitts was a 58-6. Desmond Ritter was a 54-7. And Drake London was a 53-9. That's not surprising because the Jets may have, what, the one or two best secondaries in the NFL, and they've literally got the best cover corner in the NFL in Sauce Gardner. Where did Sauce Gardner play? Notre Dame, Clemson. Where did he play? Cincinnati. Oh. Um, so I'm not really surprised at some of the low grades for pass catchers because, again, their secondary is really good. Um, let's take a look at, just out of morbid curiosity here, Oren, some NFL mock drafts because we're getting into that season, right? Here's Pro Football Focus's three-round mock draft. Um, let's... Just go with the Falcons. So they've got the Falcons picking 19th. They have the guy who just came into the draft literally today. Chop Robinson out of Penn State. They say Robinson has been a bit of a boomer bust with his production as an edge rusher this season, but the boom is eye-popping. He has three games with 30% plus pass win rates. Two games were above 40%. In terms of explosiveness and twitch, he might be the best this class has to offer. Can I tell you, I want Jared Verse in a Falcons uniform. You have to trade up to get him. I don't care. I'd rather, let me put it like this. I would rather trade up to go get Jared Verse than one of the quarterbacks. How about that? I'll, I'll take Jared Verse on my team all day long and let him go nuts. All right, from CBS Sports. Their uh, latest mock, they've got, let's see here, where do they have the Falcons picking? Should be around 19, uh, 18, 19. Uh, 19th, they've got JT Tuamoalo. Uh, no, what's his name? The big defensive end out yes, of Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah. Yes, yeah. The, the guy who won them. What, what was that game last year? Penn State, right? Yeah, That's the, the pick game six, that, and we had a bunch of sacks in the pick six. I think. Yep. That one, yeah. Yep. In that game last year, um, I wouldn't mind that. But again, what makes you think the Falcons are going to take an edge player? Seriously, like what makes you think that the Falcons are taking an edge player? They, they haven't done it before. Here's um, Sporting News. They have the Falcons picking nineteenth. How about this, Orrin? J.J. McCarthy, quarterback out of Michigan. McCarthy had a meteoric rise to the Heisman contender with Nixon Penix during a dazzling breakout season. He's flat out. He's a flat-out athletic playmaker who throws well out of the pocket and shows great zip on all of his passes. Falcons need to draft a quarterback, whether or not it's for Arthur Smith. What would you think about that? No. Yep, I agree. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not all that interested in J.J. McCarthy. Uh, he might be outside of, well, because uh, you didn't see, what did you see from J.J. McCarthy this year? It just, they, they, there wasn't a showcase of him, of his abilities, I think, a whole lot this year in Michigan. They were content on just, we're a blue-collar, run-the-football kind of football team, mm-hmm. and like there were no games where I watched a game. I was like, man, I was really impressed with JJ McCarthy's arm. Like, not no. Last year against Ohio State, he was phenomenal, hucking it all over the field against Ohio State last year. Not this year. Um, let's see here from Yahoo. 
They've got at 19, Falcons taking Nate Wiggins, cornerback out of Clemson. How about that pick? That get you excited? I don't like. Here's the thing. Nate, a uh, local kid. Uh, he's a Westlake kid, if I'm not mistaken, too. So it'd be cool to have another Westlake cornerback here. That Westlake to the NFL pipeline with A.J. Terrell and, and Cam Newton and those guys. Problem is, like, I don't. There's nothing sexy about drafting a corner in the first round when there's so many other things on this team that need to be addressed. Uh-huh. And don't, don't Nate has got prototypical them? size, too. He's, what, 6'1", 6'2"? Yeah. So, yeah, just, no, the the, the meh kind of outweighs the, huh, okay, with that one. Um, Let's see here. Ryan, let me see if Ryan Wilson has a different uh, pick from, he's from CBS Sports as well. Um, no, not not one there. Uh, let me. Oh, Walter Football. Walter Football has. Let's see, who do they have for the Falcons picking at? And everybody's pretty much got them at nineteen because they figure they're going to win the division and lose in the first round of the uh, of the playoffs. Let's see here, round one, and they have got the Falcons. Walter Football has them taking Jaden Daniels, quarterback out of LSU. If they ended up with Jaden Daniels in this draft, they would throw a parade for if, Terry Fontenot. If, if he falls to 19 and they can get him, then I, I'm going to be amazed. Now, if he falls to 19, there's some questions that we don't know about him as to why he right. fell to 19. Exactly, because, again, I, I don't believe that for a second. All right, let's uh, quickly get to Arthur Smith. Uh, here's Arthur from his presser yesterday talking about managing their way through an ugly game. Oh, you take it. I mean, like where you're at, December, you know, all the stuff that was going on. There's a lot of stuff going on down the field. Uh, certainly felt sluggish at times. Um, we had our chances, you know, and then it usually comes down to what's, why you stall out and not converting a third down and or, you know, a penalty or something negative play gets you off track and it's a good defense. Um, and as the game wears on, you realize what the conditions are and, and how you've been playing. You know, how's it, how's it going? And so that there's a risk in every play. We tried to back him a few times. We didn't didn't hit him. And then, uh, you know, it's how much late in that game where we knew that the field position would be paramount the way the defense was going is is we're, like even the play before the two minute, you're trying to go in the game, but not, you know, whatever you want to call there, you know, you're trying to get an advantage. Mosley played it pretty well. And you coach the quarterback, all right, it's not there. You know, go down and we'll, we'll punt it and go win it that way. You know, you're trying to have your cake and eat it, I guess, so to speak, without having to drop back, hold it, you know, worry about a tip ball or, you know, somebody slipping in a sack fumble. I mean, that's the negative part. You don't want to but, – but, but that's what you're managing. I mean, that's the way the game was going. The other thing is, look, the, for, the original forecast said that by about the end of the first quarter, the rain would be moved out. Okay, it was a cold – Wet, rainy, sluggish game, almost the entire game. So, again, I give the Falcons credit for crap weather, crap conditions, and going up there and finding a way to win. All right, let's get to number four. Here's Arthur talking about the defensive line play since they've lost Grady Jarrett. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, and you see him getting in sync better and better. It's... When those guys are rolling, then they, you can have the best scheme, but it's going to come down to some of the fundamentals and guys that that are heavy-handed and they can play with good technique and good leverage. Like I said, I mean, it's 
You may think you have Calais Campbell doubled, doubled, but Calais is a is a grown man out there. He makes it hard sometimes to run close side on him. And then David's as good as anybody. He'll never show up in the stat sheet. I don't know what the what his uh, advanced grades are from the outside, but I know this: you ask any coach or player in this league, is that guy's a uh, real dude inside. And Catavia Street's done a really good job. Guy, we you know those are the underrated moves because we we have a lot of confidence, and thankfully you get a team like Philly that's good to work with, and you know you help each other out. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum trade. And Catavia's had a history with Ryan going back from when they recruited him as he stayed. He'd been with Hawks, so he could jump right in and get more playing time opportunities. He's thrived with it. TQ's a guy come back from injury. You see him every week getting more confident. Graham, Campbell, Onyemata, Zach Harrison is playing more. I, I'm not, again, do I want Grady Jeff? Yes, of course. He makes our defense line better. But they have enough depth. And look, they've done a good job with depth on this team. Much better than they have in the last really handful of, not just two, handful of years. The Nate Landmans and guys like that that have had to come in and step in and fill roles, they've done a really good job. So I'm confident about the rotation of guys that we have, even losing a Grady Jarrett, that this defensive line won't really miss a beat. I will right, we'll talk some more Falcons with our buddy Michael Rothstein. He covers the Falcons for ESPN. Chuck Reed in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 929 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 929 The Game. Back at a Chuck Reed show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, as we said, uh, we just played some clips from Arthur Smith and the Falcon flyover. Talked about some of the pro football focus grades. Let's get some more Falcons talk in here. Let's head out to the wadeford.com hotline. Lance Ford dealer. Let's talk to our buddy Michael Rothstein. He, of course, covers the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN. ESPN.com is where you can check out all of his work, and he's on X or Twitter or Twix or whatever the hell he's calling it nowadays. Right. At Mike Rothstein. I mean, I don't know what you're calling it these days, Mike. I, I can well, never keep I, up. So I, I, I actually am on threads uh, more than I am on uh, any of the Twitter, Twix, X version of, of social media. I've, I've okay. moved a lot over to threads. So if you're on threads, if you're someone who has found that or Instagram, I, I'm Mike Rothstein over there. Also, I'm still on all of the Twitter, Twix, X thing as well so you know i'm a little bit everywhere chucker you can't get rid of me as much as people may try as much as i may try at times no listen i i, I understand my space uh you're on that too i mean so i was at, at some way i am old <laughs> enough sir sir i am old enough to have been on myspace and on friendster so do not question uh the insanity that has been my social media presence for many many years sir you know, Mike, um, as we as we look back to last week uh, again, I was I was going to bring. Do we I, really want to? Well, I, I was going to bring up AOL chat, you know, um, so we can do that as well. But um, you know, it's amazing, Mike, when you don't turn the football over. You know, I mean, look, they only ran for a hundred yards, and I know weather dictated a lot of this. Only ran for ninety yards, less than you know, one hundred twenty-five yards passing, but you found a way to win and. 
you know, the big thing is no turnovers. And, and that just makes, again, when, when you don't have your quarterback making those kinds of plays that really put you in a bind, it's amazing how you can not do a lot of things well but still find a way to win. Yeah, listen, I mean, that's, that, that's been the whole thing, right? Like, that's been Arthur Smith's thing for a while, too, is, you know, turnovers have been their biggest issue on offense. Uh, there's no question about that. Sure, Desert Ritter has some accuracy issues. I, I think we all understand that. Like, uh, and they can use some better blocking at times. We all understand that. But their biggest issue when it got to the point where they were going to, you know, where they, they made, did the, what we'll call, I guess, now a step back with Desmond Ritter, right, were the turnovers. It wasn't that he was throwing the ball badly. It wasn't that they weren't moving the ball on offense because they were moving the ball really well on offense. It was simply that they had seven turnovers, all from Desmond Ritter, in the span of two and a half games. It was so much about the turnovers and what that was potentially doing to a young quarterback. This allowed them to reset a little bit. The offense did not look good on Sunday. Anyone who says that the offense looked good on Sunday uh, – I don't even know. I mean, they probably weren't even watching uh, Massapequa and Seaford at ha- the uh, high- the Pop Warner teams at halftime. Both two schools, two towns that I'm familiar with from growing up on Long Island, and like their offenses were about as exciting as, as what the Falcons and the Jets were putting on the field. But Desmond Ritter has looked better each and every week, and as long as he cuts down on the turnovers, I-, I think they're in a really good position. You know, Mike, it is kind of amazing that Michael Pruitt has been able to be the kind of productive player that, again, when you talk about a knack for finding touchdowns, and look, if that's his only skill, I'll take that <laughs> all day long. Like, I'll I'll, sure. I'll gladly take that. But it is amazing that, you know, again, that was a terrific catch that he made for the 20-yard touchdown, but he just has a knack that – I'll be honest with you, a few, very few of these players for the Falcons have that kind of knack for the end zone the way that a Michael Pruitt just finds a way to get himself open and available to be able to score a touchdown. Well, I mean, some of that, Chuck, I think is that like each of these guys have roles on this team, right? And it seems like for whatever reason in the red zone, and this dates back to last year, right? In the red zone, when it comes to scoring time, it really seems like Desmond Ritter has found a way to have a good connection with Michael Pruitt. Michael Pruitt seems to be a red zone threat, a red zone force. I don't want to know if force might be too strong a word, but a red zone threat for the Falcons. And it's been that way really since Ritter has taken over. Like if you remember last year, it was like, oh, imagine the chemistry he's going to have with Kyle Pitts. Because look at what he's doing with Michael Pruitt. Mm-hmm. Well, no, maybe we're learning it's just that he's got really good chemistry with Michael Pruitt. Uh, and that, listen, the, there are guys, Parker Hesse's an example as well. His role is very specific on this team, right? I think Michael Pruitt's role is very specific on this team, and his role just happens to be a little bit more flashy because it ends up getting in the end zone sometimes. Mike Rothstein covers the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN, joining me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. You know, the other thing that is really noticeable about this team is the guys who aren't starters that contribute to this team. I mean, Nate Landman has been, you know, a guy who had a really good preseason. I mean, he was all over the field 
in the preseason. And obviously, Troy Anderson was the starter. Then he gets hurt. Landman has done a very serviceable job filling in. You know, look, Clark Phillips has had his issues at times, but I think he's done some good things, um, you know, when he has stepped in. You know, DeMarco Hellams is a guy who they probably didn't expect to play this much. Like, their backups have done a nice job for what they've asked them to do at times and, and maybe play even more than what's been expected of them. I think their backups have done a really nice job for this football team. They have. And, I mean, Nate Lambin, we had it today in our ESPN Power Rankings. They have us do something every week that's kind of themed out. One of them was a pleasant surprise for each team. And for me, it was a no-brainer that it was Nate Lambin mm-hmm. because when Troy Anderson got hurt in week three, if you go back and when we talked in the preseason, you sat there and you said, you know, the one area that they look like there's no depth is inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. They Caden Ellis, Troy Anderson, and then you were like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. And then Troy Anderson is the first player that they, like real key player that they lose, right? Like Avery Williams aside. And Nate Landman comes in and he plays extraordinarily well to the point where you're going to have to figure out a way next year to have the three of those guys on the field. Right. And, and that's going to be very, very interesting to see if they maybe move around and it gives Ryan Nielsen potentially a lot of, of options in 2024, uh, you know, looking forward to next season. Because Nate Landman has shown he can play. And he is a sure tackler. He is able to get into the backfield. He is um, he is the type of guy that I think that maybe they hoped some other linebackers that they had brought in and, and had been drafted here that are no longer here had they hoped they might be able to be. And Nate Lambin has been it. The rest of the guys, I mean, I think it's a little too early to tell. We don't know for sure on Clark Phillips. Demarco Helms is is making plays and is getting more reps clearly. I mean, they, but it would not shock me if they go to more of a three safety look going forward and they put that puts Richie Grant in the box, especially if they're facing teams that like to run the ball a bit more, which we knew the Jets obviously were going to try and do. And it, it could end up being very dependent how much certain guys play. But DeMarco Helens, it looks like right now, is really pushing for more playing time. Now, does that mean he's going to end up being the starter? Next to Jesse Bates? No, not necessarily. Does it mean he's going to play a lot? Yeah, I think he's going to from here on out, and that's going to be a really interesting question for them again in 2024. What you're seeing now is that the depth that the Falcons did not have the last two years at all is starting to show up, Mm -hmm. and you're also seeing maybe why they felt comfortable moving on from Jalen Hawkins, at least at safety. You know, Mike, the other the other thing that I keep talking about, and, and I'm gonna pound this drum because if you look at if you look at good teams in the league, one of the things they do is have good starting field position. And and it's even gotten to the point where D led is starting to track field position because I've I've talked about it so much, you know, with everybody, with you, with him, with Tori. You know, their field position is dreadful at times. And and really the only reason that they've even kind of survived is because on some of the turnovers, their starting field position has been pretty good. But it's not just special teams. They shoot themselves in the foot as well and cause some of these things. I, I don't know. Like, that's going to be one of those things that I, I I think Avery Williams definitely will help that, and they get their punt game back next year and 
punt return game back next year, but they've got to stop shooting themselves in the foot as well. Like their field position at times is just dreadful. Yeah. And it has cost them. I mean, if you remember specifically, there was that one game, I forget which game it was exactly. It might've been Tampa, uh, obviously a game that they won. If my memory serves where Mike Hughes was returning punts and it was um, not good. No. (laughs) To say the least. Mm -hmm. I think that was Tampa. If my memory is right, um, but yeah, you, you just, they have had issues, and that has led, in some cases, to slow starts, and in some cases, to part of the reason why the offense has, in some games, racked up a bunch of yards, but not necessarily scored a bunch of points. Right. Uh, it, it puts them in tough in tough positions. But here's the thing, right? Some of that is they have not been returning kicks this year. I've asked that question a few different times. And one of the things I think we've seen in years past is that it ends up being a little bit of a, you know, risk-reward scenario. But Cordero Patterson has taken more kicks out in years past. This year he's not. It sounds like part of that is strategy. Part of it is just there are a lot of times it's being kicked nine deep. And with the new rules, like you're basically able to get it at 25 almost, you know, any time you want. Right. But right. That, I think, plays into it, too, is we're not seeing that sort of potential kick return break where CP would get it out to the 35 or 40, right? Or you had Avery Williams be able to make a guy or two miss. Like, D. Alford's done that a little bit when he's been out there, but with nowhere near the consistency of Avery Williams. I think a lot of people when Avery Williams got hurt kind of were like, okay, they'll find another punt returner. And you're seeing the value of a guy like Avery Williams in your lineup and what a big loss that was for Atlanta because yes, we're talking, we talked earlier about guys like Helms, right? Guys like Nate Lamb and guys like mm-hmm. Parker Hesse and Michael Pruitt. Avery Williams has a very specific role on this team, but he's really, really good at it. Yeah. And, and look, when you're asking your young quarterback to, you know, average 77, 78 yards, you know, a, a drive to have to score touchdowns, that's asking a lot. I mean, that that's that. And if you look historically over the last kind of like 10, 15 years, you know, teams that even just start at the 30 yard line have drastically different results of offense and stuff like that. Like, and it doesn't sound like much, but just when you're starting at the eight, 10, 15 yard line on drives, like that's just death nails for, for especially for young quarterbacks trying to make them go. 85 yards, 80 yards, 75 yards for touchdowns. That's that's just asking a lot out of, you know, the way NFL offenses just don't even score as much nowadays, let alone go 85 yards on a touchdown drive. No, it is. It, it is a lot to ask. And, but the other thing, and, you know, you always, we hear Arthur Smith say a lot, well, you know, the, the other team has a say in it too, and they do. And, and some of that has been the defense has gotten forced to punt like on the 40, right, or on the 35, to all of a sudden where that punter, you know, sometimes they face punters with huge legs, but other times that punter's put in a position where if he hits a 45, 50-yard punt, all of a sudden that is at the eight, and if the coverage is good, you can't return it. And if you let it go, most punters now are good enough where if you land it anywhere from like the, well, I want to say it's a four to the eight, that thing's probably getting down inside the five. Saw it last week against the Jets. 
And that's just how good punters and coverage teams are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of this goes to the defense needing to maybe get stops further back on the field so that way they don't put themselves in that field position. It's, because it's a whole thing, right? You can also say, well, the defense maybe is not in that situation. And if the offense is moving the ball a little bit further and pushing defenses back, right? Like it, it kind of, it's, it's an all-encompassing deal that you don't really think about when you're talking about that type of field position, but it's true. Michael Rothstein covers all things Atlanta Falcons for ESPN. Check out all of his work at ESPN.com. He's on your favorite social media platform, at Mike Rothstein. And, Mike, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes uh, on the show. We will certainly chat again here soon. And, um, listen, uh, I'm sure you're going to be on Dukes and Bell, so enjoy uh, your time with those guys this week. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be on with them at some point uh, this week. That's that's become that has become the typical. That has become the standard, <laughs> as uh, as some people like to say. It is my pleasure. Well, listen, uh, don't forget us. Uh, we still hey, love you. I, you 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 reach out and I'm able to do it. I do it, man. Hey, That's how we roll here. Hey, over listen, uh, we we've got listen. I, I tell you, listen. <laughs> we've, we've got our bond, Mike. I mean, we've got our bond as well. So. Uh, we go, we go way back. So <laughs> absolutely, we go back. We go back to all the candy bars of all your choosing. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. All right, Mike. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, man. We'll talk absolutely, soon. Man. Take so, care. When we come back, it will be time for what's bugging Chuckery. I, I don't understand at all what Dan Orlovsky is talking about, but maybe Orrin can help me figure all of this kind of I stuff. I speak out. Orlovsky. Okay. Well, again, somebody needs to. Chuckery in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, ninety-two nine, the game, and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9, The Game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out with you here in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening, 404-726-0929, that is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit of Hawks basketball coming up here at the top of the hour because... Yeah, I I don't know if this has been, you know, exactly the start that that we thought this was going to be. And at some point, don't we have to start, like, asking some questions as to why this doesn't get better for the Hawks? What are we talking about? They're they're eight, what is it? No, nine and ten on the season and tenth place in the East. Give up the fourth most points in the NBA. Like, okay. I mean, don't we at some point have to have that kind of harder conversation? It's not all sunshine and lollipops and rainbows and waterfalls and all that good kind of stuff. So, uh, but they they're going to come up playing tomorrow night. Um, they're at home against uh, Brooklyn, uh, who's actually ahead of them uh, in the Eastern Conference stands. I think they're. I think. I think the the Hawks are tenth, and I think the uh, Nets are ninth uh, in the East, uh, and basically we'll be a quarter of the way through the season. So it'll be it'll be a quarter of the way through, and we'll start to get a little bit better evaluation of them. But um, it's not been exactly the start that I think we could have expected to um, to see this bounce back. Because again, I I think this is an important year for the Hawks. Like there has to be some things figured out or there's coming to a point where there's got to be some personnel changes. I mean, you can't just keep going down this road and hoping guys get better and hoping that there's better chemistry. And maybe they go on after this first quarter of the season 
maybe they go on that kind of streak that they had with Nate McMillan. What what were they, uh, Orn? Was it like 29 and 12 or something like that under Nate when he took over in that first year? Yeah, they had like it was a 13-game win streak, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, with Nate. Yeah, and I think it was like 29 and 12. Because he basically, I want to say he coached almost like uh, one or two games more than half a year. So 29 and 12. They fired Lloyd, if I'm not mistaken. It was like a week after the All-Star break. Okay. It was right around the All-Star break when they fired Nate. Okay. I mean, excuse me, fired Lloyd. Yeah. So I think he coached like 41 or 40. I Something like that, but it was a, it was a really it was a really good you know run that they went on, and so again, I'm not saying fire fire Dan or fire Quinn Snyder or anything like that, but just yeah, he got fired March first. So that was like a week and a half after the All Star break. Okay, so I, I don't know if it's twenty nine and twelve or but whatever it was, they they were really good under Nate McMillan for that stretch run when you know they ended up making that run to the Eastern Conference Finals. But I don't know. There's there's been nothing that tells me that we've got one of these. Massive runs in us, so we'll uh, we'll talk about that. And of course, uh, Hawks basketball uh, will not be on uh, with you uh, tomorrow night. So uh, this is our only uh, show for uh, this week, but uh, we'll be back with you coming up uh, next week. So uh, before we get to anything else, though, let's get to something that we call "What's Bugging Chuckery." Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Buggin' Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So, Dan Orlovsky, I guess one of their NFL or college football analysts or whatever like that, for ESPN. He's called a personality. Okay. ESPN personality. Okay. So, yeah, he is a personality um, to the nth degree. Um, here was a quote that, that what did he have? He, he was on Get Woke. Or what was it? Woke take or Get hot fire up or first take? Yeah, yeah. Hot, hot, hot short, uh, hot shorts or um, hot topics or you know, hot channels. That was that. What it was? Was it hot channels? No, it was not hot channels, John oh. Chuckery. Oh, that's the Bo Bach movie. Sorry, that's that's the movie where Bo Bach said his acting performance was up, down, up, down, up, down. What? <laughs> I'm just saying that was his acting performance. Anyway, so it wasn't hot channels. It's like Get Woke or one of those types of shows. Here's what he had to say. Quote, we have to stop saying that this Florida State team went undefeated as a Power Five conference champion. This team did not. The team two weeks ago with Jordan Travis did. This is a different football team. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Oren. Did they not beat Florida in Gainesville, their rival game, and win the SEC champion or sorry, ACC championship in Charlotte against Louisville, the final two games of the year without without Jordan Travis? These are two things they did without Jordan Travis, yes. So, did those games count? Apparently not to Dan Orlovsky and also the, the CFP selection committee. Oh. To Boo Corrigan. Oh, okay. Boo. Because if they went 2-0 against their rival and their conference championship game, 
How does Dan Orlovsky think that they didn't stay undefeated with Jordan? Like, what am I mi- You said you speak Orlovsky. What am I missing in that verbiage that he put out there? Oh, I'll tell you what he meant. He mean, he's saying he's an idiot. That's what he's okay. saying. So basically, he was in hot channels with with Bo Bach. I don't think he's going up down up no, down. Up, I don't down. think he was in huh? hot channels with Bo Bach. No. no. Well, he was in hot something, hot fuzz or something like that. I mean, again, I, I the the rationale that people have made for these things really you you have to suspend all disbelief when when you hear what some of these pundits have said like like honestly like the Kirk curb streets and people like that I, I I don't are they being paid to say these things well I mean I know they're getting paid to say these things but the ignorance that's on display so Florida State didn't stay undefeated with Jordan with without Jordan Travis. They only won their rival game and the conference championship game. The two weeks that Jordan Travis wasn't there. Okay. By the way, Louisville was a 10-win team. I'm not saying they were a great team by any stretch of the imagination. One of their wins was against Georgia Tech at the very beginning of the year. But they were still a 10-win team. Again... The rationale that some of these people are coming up with, you would think that Dan Orlovsky was probably in a remake of Hot Channels or something like that. Going up, down. Was he going up, down, up, down, up, down? He wasn't going up. He wasn't He wasn't oh. doing any of that, John Chuckery. Well, that's what Bo Bach was doing. He was going up, yeah, down, I, up, I, down, I, up, I, down. I understand. Bo was in the movie, Have yes. Have you seen that movie? Absolutely not. No plan on it either. It was like, wasn't it filmed at a bar or something like that? It was, I don't know. Up, down, it, up, down, up, down, up, down. Wasn't it an apartment at one point? It, it may have been. I it, again. It I was, should know that, but I do. I, again, it was, I, I don't think he had a facial appearance. It was more up, down, up, down, up, this down, up, so down. This is so uncomfortable talking oh. about Bobak. <laughs> it's the, it's the that dean. Nature. It's the dean. Yeah, talk Bobak. about the dean, but let's not talk about the dean's appearance in this movie. In hot channels, up, down, up, down, up, down. (laughs) Anyway, well, again, uh, Dan Orlovsky may have been in something like that because, again, his brain is obviously fried from from everything. And like I said, I don't don't know what he thinks that that Florida State did or did not do without Travis Jordan, or Jordan Travis, I should say. I mean, but they won their rival game. They won the ACC championship game. Maybe I missed all of that. Maybe those games didn't count for something. But it sure seems like that their 13-0 stretch was not just in the hands of Jordan Travis. It was everybody on their team. But who, by the way, I'd love to see Jared Verse in a Falcons uniform next year. Give me that guy. Let me have him in a Falcons uniform next year. And that's what's fucking Chuck. Not the up, down, up, down, up, down part. That, that part doesn't bother me. Much do you hate me? Right now. Infinitely? <laughs> or how about disappointed? How about the same level infinitely? Is this a Taylor Swift song? It is. Okay. Um, this isn't blank space. It is blank okay. space. When we come back, what's happened to the defense that I heard so much about? 
Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, not on the game, the Odyssey.com app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.